been a bad job to take though. How come? Whoever took that shot's probably dead now. That's how a conspiracy works. Them boys on the grass in the hole, they were dead within three hours. Buried in the damn desert, unmarked graves out past her lingua. And you know this for a fact? Still got the shovel. Welcome to Subtle Beast, everybody. I am your host, Foltz. With me as always, my co-host and partner in crime, Mr. Steve Apostolopoulos. How are you today? I'm feeling lovely, Foltz. How about yourself? I'm doing good. I really uh, have to mention the uh, little uh, snippet we just played there. Yeah. Because uh, it coincides perfectly with our, with our topic for tonight. Uh, that was a snippet from the movie Shooter with Mark Wahlberg where he went to visit uh, this old man that had knowledge, more knowledge than uh, the people that made the weapons in Smith and & Wesson and more than the people that shot him. And he was seeking out some knowledge, and he was giving him his view on the conspiracy, quote-unquote, the conspiracy theory behind JFK and actually claims to have been one of the helpers with it. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was a cool snippet. I loved it. Yeah. Fultz, did you actually know the term conspiracy theorist was a term made popular by the CIA to stop critical thinkers from asking questions about the JFK assassination. That makes a lot of sense. That does make a lot of sense. In a memo called Countering Criticism of the Warren Report, the CIA set out to make the term conspiracy theorist a weapon to be used against anyone who questioned the government's secret activities programs. So it's basically just a like a smear campaign. It is, and it is something that wasn't around before that, so that could quite possibly be where the term came from. Ground zero of the term conspiracy theorist. And it's fittingly, I mean, this could be one of the biggest. Yeah, I mean, this, this and then, what, six years later, possibly the moon landing. I mean number one and number two here so yeah so we're doing the uh jfk assassination tonight and we've got a lot a lot of information to go over we've got a lot of different um theories uh some may seem a little crazy some may seem right on the mark who knows that's for that's for the audience for you to uh make the decision but we're gonna jump right on in here yeah and we're gonna get into because and one of the reasons we're doing this is because coming up <clears throat> at the end of this month, uh, on the 22nd of November, is going to be the 56th anniversary of the assassination of JFK. It's amazing. It doesn't feel that far. It doesn't feel like, you know, that long ago, the, like history. Right. So hopefully by the time that this podcast is released, it should fall right into that time frame. People are going to be talking about it. So it's a good time to... Uh, Get these theories out there, and also this uh, this whole thing occurs before the moon landing. That's yes. another that's another huge part of humanity. Yeah, and if you if you really want to take it back, I mean, we're covering a topic that, <clears throat> for me, happened 13 years before I was even born. That's true. So there's a, there, they already had 13 years before I was born to start creating all kinds of theories, and uh, well, it hasn't ceased since. Right, and you know there wasn't a lot of a lot of huge conspiracy theories that occurred before that. 
at least not that had come out. Right, right. So uh, it's it's just really interesting, and everybody's going to have their take. Everybody's going to have their spin. You might have some people that you know, think one thing, thinking, that, hey, that's up to them. But uh, There's so much out there that you can kind of take your perspective and put it into this. You can, and we're going to give you lots of different options to choose from tonight. So, again, let's just sit back and uh, let's hear some of these crazy topics. Now, this much we can stipulate. President John F. Kennedy was assassinated on November 22nd, 1963, struck by two bullets, one in the head and one in the neck, while riding in an open-top limo through Dealey Plaza in Dallas. Lee Harvey Oswald was charged with killing him, and presidential commission headed by Chief Justice Earl Warren found that Oswald acted alone. Now, that conclusion hasn't passed... hasn't passed muster with the public. A 2003 ABC News poll found that 70% Americans believe Kennedy's death was the result of a broader plot. The trajectory of the bullets, some say, didn't square with Oswald's perch on the sixth floor of the Texas School Book Depository. Others suggest a second gunman, perhaps on the grassy knoll of the Dealey Plaza, participated in the shooting. Others believe in an even broader conspiracy. Was Kennedy killed by CIA agents acting either out of anger over the Bay of Pigs or behest of the Vice President Lyndon Johnson? By KGB operatives, mobsters mad at Kennedy's brother for initiating the prosecution of organized crime rings, speculation over one of history's most political assassinations in such a popular parlor game that most people have taken the rumors to heart. Just 32% of those polled by ABC believe Oswald carried out the killing on his own. Yeah. I mean, and uh, we mentioned the uh, in that last paragraph, uh, the, was Kennedy killed by the CIA agents acting either out of anger over the Bay of Pigs? Well, we discussed the Bay of Pigs recently on a podcast of... Uh, Operation Northwoods. Operation Northwoods, yes. Yeah. So if you want to know more about that... Uh, go check out that podcast, and that might just help you know, help you realize uh, some of the shady business that our government is into. So, uh, going on during the half century since President John F. Kennedy was assassinated, you may have heard a few theories. Decades of investigations, hearings, documents, records, books, and interviews have failed to satisfy theorists with a definitive answer to the question. Did Lee Harvey Oswald act alone when he shot the president? At one time or another, doubters of the lone gunman theory have accused 42 groups, 82 assassins, and 214 people of being involved in the assassination, said Arthur Vincent Bugalosi. So when reporters, producers, or amateur historians want to check out the latest JFK theory, they call Dave Perry. People think I'm an anti-conspiracy guy, Perry said at his Dallas area home. But there's one theory that he's not ruling out. Well, get to that in a minute. Kennedy assassination theorist Perry said, come in all degrees of interest and levels of obsession. They may believe the government was behind the 9-11 attacks or that the moon landings were fake. Those folks comprise of quote-unquote off-the-wall crowd. The others, he says, read the books, watch the documentaries, and come to less extreme conclusions. Well, let me tell you something. I believe that the uh, 9-11 attacks were were a hoax and i believe that the moon landing was faked in some fashion and 
you want to call me off the wall because I also read books, watch documentaries, and uh, come to my own conclusions as to Steve with Subtle Beast. So, Probably more books. Yeah. And more documentaries than most people. Right. Now, ahead of the 50th anniversary of the assassination in 2013, a flood of books about the tragedy were released, along with the publication of new books examining various... Theories. The King of Kennedy films, Oliver Stone's JFK, also was released on disc. Theorists often gather to compare notes at special symposiums, like one in 2012 at Pittsburgh's Duquesne University. The event, which included Stone as the panelist, seemed more like a rival meeting at a Sunday house of worship than academic conference, according to a reporter who was there. Replace amen for that's right, and it would have been basically a church service, recalled Rebecca Natal. Natal said the crowd ranged from those who believed the government was involved in some kind of cover-up to extremists who appeared to think everything the government tells you is a lie. Yeah, kind of, well, you know. (laughs) A lot. She said many still blame the media for failing to uncover the truth. Again, uh... If you want to know more about the media not telling the truth, check out our one of our recent releases, Operation Mockingbird. Directly tying into the CIA as well. Of course. Now, Perry, a 70-something retired former insurance claim adjuster from Massachusetts, had been digging through JFK assassination records since 1976 to address those skeptics. Doubters asked him to check out the odd stories that pop up. Somebody claimed to be the grassy knoll shooter. Nope, he wasn't. Perry says he located and verified the authenticity of Oswald's long-lost wedding ring. I don't do sexy stuff, Perry said. I don't come out and say, I know who the grassy knoll assassin is. I'm the guy that goes into the county records building and looks up deed records. Most people don't get too wound up over that. Over the years... He's come to know several people who found themselves embroiled in the investigation, including an ex-Dallas detective, Jim Lavelle, and Oswald's co-worker, Buell Frazier. Perry guesses he spends a couple hundred hours each October and November doing research and consulting. Pardon me. After all that, you can imagine he's heard a lot of theories. The school book depository where Oswald shot Kennedy is now the sixth floor museum, featuring exhibits surrounding the tragedy. The conspiracy theories are still around because people don't know what to believe, said museum curator Gary Mack in 2013, who admitted he was not satisfied with the official story. If Oswald didn't act alone, who was behind the shooting in Dallas Daily Plaza on November 22, 1963? Some theorists believe the oil people may have organized a hit on the president. Others suspect people who didn't like the way Kennedy handled civil rights. Perry shared five theories he believes rank among the most popular. And Steve's going to read number one. So number one is that LBJ had it done. Perry was shot down on this one. It's based primarily on statements made by Madeline Brown, who Perry described as a crackpot. Brown, who died in 2002, claimed to have had an affair with Johnson. She also claimed that LBJ had attended a party with ex-Vice President Richard Nixon, FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, and others the night before the attack. According to Perry, Brown said LBJ whispered into her ear, After tomorrow, those Kennedys will never embarrass me again. That's no threat, 
that's a promise. That's absolutely not true, said Perry, who said his research proved LBJ could have been could not have been at the alleged party that night, debunking Brown's story. A lot of Texans didn't like Johnson. They thought he was a crook. So as a result, they started creating this fiction after the assassination where he wanted Kennedy out so he could be president, Perry said. But we found no evidence. And we know that all the stuff that Madeline Brown said was contrived. Of course. The second one, the military industrial complex did it. Nope, that doesn't wash either, said Perry. The claim is that Kennedy was going to pull American troops out of Vietnam and that the military wanted to pour more people into Vietnam. That's technically not correct. He talked about trying to resolve the situation, but he never made a claim that he was going to pull out of there. So that's the first two. That's right. Number three, the mob did it. Sorry, said Perry. No veracity to that. There's at least three different groups that claim they independently did this. There's the Chicago mob, the Miami mob, and the New Orleans mob. But it's all hearsay. Number four, Oswald acted alone as part of an unknown conspiracy. It's possible that there were individuals who helped Oswald, but who were not part of any larger group or perhaps unaware of what he was planning. Remember, John Wilkes Booth shot Lincoln, and four were hung, including the first woman ever to be hung by the federal government, Mary Surratt, he said. Interesting. Number five, the CIA did it. This is the conspiracy theory that interests Perry the most. The problem is, of all of them, this one I can't debunk, he laughs. Supposedly, Kennedy was fed up with the shenanigans that the CIA was pulling. He found out the CIA was trying to kill Cuban leader Fidel Castro, which is a fact. So the argument is that the CIA felt that Kennedy was going to disband them. And as a result of that, they were the ones that ordered the killing of Kennedy. Perry points out that a former head of CIA, Alan Dulles, was a member of the Warren Commission the special Johnson-appointed panel tasked with the official investigation of the assassination. The commission determined that Oswald acted alone. Oswald was a supporter of the Soviet back to Cuba. We know Oswald was in the Russian embassy in Mexico City, said Perry. We even know who he talked to, but we don't know what was said. Then a few weeks later, he shoots Kennedy. It may have been something that they overheard involving him and the Russians. Or maybe the CIA had Oswald on the payroll. He might have been a double agent. Is it possible the Russians ordered Oswald to do it? Not likely, said Perry. The Russians would have never ordered Oswald to kill Kennedy because of his well-known links to Russia and his pro-Cuban sympathies. Russia's leaders knew they would have been the first suspects if they'd engineered an assassination by Oswald. It would have been an act of war, which could have triggered a nuclear attack. He said, we need to know what happened in Mexico City. <clears throat> That's crazy. Now, so I, like, I, like the, I like all those different theories. And you know what? I don't put it past any of those. I know that he says that there's no veracity to them or he dismisses them. But I don't know. They could have all had a, had a hand in it. 
the one thing I did like was uh, when they brought up um, John Wilkes Booth because uh, one of the crazy similarities between um, Oswald and Booth is uh, John Wilkes Booth shot Lincoln. And after he did, uh, or he shot him in a theater, and after that he ran to a warehouse. And Lee Harvey Oswald shot Kennedy from a warehouse and then ran to, ran to a theater. So that's pretty crazy. It's true. He's found hours later in a, in a cinema. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, good. You can just continue, Steve, because it's still going right now. Perry thought the answer might have been revealed in 2017 when the Trump administri- administration made public a number of previously classified CIA, CIA documents related to the assassination that had been held in the U.S. National Archives. Perry said he was disappointed in those documents, which were released as part of the 1992 Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act. They didn't release any of the good stuff, Perry said. The documents failed to reveal any new details about what Oswald said during his visit to the Russian embassy in Mexico City. So either we already know the truth, Oswald acted alone, or worst case scenario, we may never know the whole truth. Prompting one more question surrounding the killing of JFK. Would America be okay with that? You know, it, it really depends. Um, my father, uh, one of the reasons I'm so into um, this genre now, of course, it started with talking about extraterrestrials, but at the same time, he would talk about JFK. He was a world history teacher. And uh, he used to say that eventually one day, he believed that the files of what really happened to Kennedy will be released, but probably not until after anybody that would really have a care or concern about it has, you know, has passed on, which I would have to believe would really be our generation right now, Generation X, because, uh, you know, my kids, they, they probably, bear, I mean, they probably know the name JFK or John F. Kennedy, but there's no correlation. I mean, that might as well have just been a hundred years ago to them. So I do believe that maybe, you know, when our time's up and, you know, maybe one day, or maybe it'll be one of those things like uh, area 51, you know, it's never, it's just always tight lipped. And you, you'll never know. There was, a, I mean, for the, the generation that your father was in the, the Kennedys represented the closest thing America had to royalty and Camelot. Yeah. There was really an, an aura around them. And they they really had this passion for the Kennedys that it, it we don't really have that anymore. Well, yeah, and JFK was the uh, the youngest president that we have ever had. Um, he was, I, th- I believe, he was the first and only Catholic president that we've ever had. So, I mean, you know, he was uh, he was loved and adored by. Well, most, I guess I would say. You know, there, there was a media frenzy over the release of the new documents related to the assassination of JFK that highlights the ongoing public fascination with JFK and his death. Do the documents add to our understanding of the assassination, the motives of the assassination, or the possibility of a conspiracy? The new materials are, tar- are part of a debate that began with the 1964 Commission on the Assassination of President Kennedy, popularly known as the Warren Commission. It was established by President Lyndon Johnson one week after the assassination. 
It concluded after nearly 10 months of investigation that Lee Harvey Oswald was acting alone, had fired three bullets from the sixth floor of the school depository building, and found that Oswald's death 48 hours later at the hands of local nightclub owner Jack Ruby was an act of spontaneous revenge. <laughs> Now, it's hard to believe, but the Warren Commission initially received a warm reception, and the public seemed willing to accept its conclusions. Now, before the release of the report, a Gallup poll found that only 29% of Americans thought Oswald acted alone, while 52% believed in some kind of conspiracy. A few months after the release of the report, 87% of the respondents believed Oswald shot the president. Now, over the next few years, critics turned public opinion against the report. In 1966, Mark Lane published his bestseller, Rush to Judgment. Later that year, a New Orleans district attorney, Jim Garrison, launched a highly publicized but deeply flawed investigation of his own, which purported to reveal a vast conspiracy. At the same time... Life magazine published color reproductions of the Sapruder film, a graphic home movie of the shooting by a local dressmaker under the cover Did Oswald Act Alone? A Matter of Reasonable Doubt. The editors questioned the commission's conclusions and called a new investigation. The evidence from the, from the JFK assassination case, most of these early skeptics used the Warren Commission's own evidence against it. They focused on contradictions among some of the witnesses about the number of shots and from where they were fired. And some witnesses claimed they heard gunfire from the grassy knoll, an elevated area to the front right of the presidential limousine. A favorite topic was the so-called magic bullet. Now, according to the Warren Commission, Oswald fired three shots in 8.6 seconds. The first shot missed. The second shot struck Kennedy in the back, exited through his throat, and then hit Texas Governor John Connolly, breaking a rib, shattering his wrist, and ending up in his right thigh. Critics claimed the bullet, which remained largely intact, could have not been responsible for all that damage. And if Connolly and Kennedy were hit by different bullets in a matter of seconds, then it meant there had to be another shooter. These criticisms took their toll. But by the early 1970s, many Americans were skeptical on the commission and its conclusions. The most serious threat to the commission's credibility, however, came not from the army of the investigative reporters and self-styled assassination experts, but from a new government investigation. December 1978, the House Select Committee on Assassinations, a two years of work, con concluded, though all, although Oswald was the assassin, there was a conspiracy involving a second gunman. The committee re relied on a highly questionable acoustical analysis of the dicta belt recording from the Dallas police headquarters. It contained sounds from a police motorcycle in Dealey Plaza whose radio transmitting switch was stuck in the on position. Two acoustic ex experts said that there was a 95% certainty that the recording revealed that four shots had been fired at the presidential motorcade. As a result, the House committee came to a bizarre conclusion that there was a second shooter on the grassy knoll and that the shooter fired at the president but missed. Now, Chief Justice Earl Warren hands over his report on the Kennedy assassination to President Johnson. The lengthy report submitted on September 24, 1964, was composed by the seven-member panel who investigated the murder 
coming in the wake of the Vietnam and Watergate. The House Select Committee report added to the public cynicism about the Warren Commission conclusions. At just the time that Americans were learning that the government lied to them about Vietnam and Watergate, they now discovered it had lied about aspects of the assassination of President Kennedy. If the CIA and FBI had lied to the commission, the reasoning went, then they clearly had something to hide. Sure, because those who have nothing to hide, hide nothing. Yeah, they were hiding something. Now, there were now two conspiracies. The conspiracy to assassinate the president and... Potentially an even larger and more insidious conspiracy among powerful figures in government and the media to cover it up. Before the 1970s, most conspiracy theories focused on the Russians or possibly the Cubans. By the 1980s, polls showed that large majorities of Americans now believed their own government was involved in the assassination of President Kennedy. A Newsweek poll taken on the 20th anniversary of the assassination showed that 74% of Americans believed that others were involved, while only 11% thought Oswald acted alone. That sure changed over 20 years. Well, yeah, a lot's happened within our government and uh, some of our leaders over that time. Uh, 1991, filmmaker Oliver Stone tapped into these doubts and added his own paranoid twist to create the popular movie JFK. The film portrayed an elaborate web of conspiracy involving Vice President Lyndon B. Johnson, the FBI, the CIA, the Pentagon, the KGB, pro-Castro and anti-Castro forces, defense contractors, and assorted other officials and agencies. The movie makes it seem... That First Lady Jackie Kennedy was the only person in Dealey Plaza that day who was not planning to murder the president. (laughs) The movie ended with a plea for audience members to ask Congress to open all Kennedy assassination records. The plea worked. In 1992, Congress passed the President John F. Kennedy Assassination Records Collection Act that placed all remaining government documents pertaining to the assassination in a special category and loosened the normal classification guidelines. It set a 25-year deadline for the release of all the documents. That deadline was October 26th, 2017. And I remember that. We didn't get them all. We didn't get them all, but I remember it went leading up to it. Right. That's how, a big thing. That's how a big excited, yeah, how excited we were here at Subtle Beast. Cause this is something we've talked about for so long. Oh, and, yeah. and to have that date approach and then the the dump occurred and really the media coverage just glossed over it. It really did. And, well, just like anything else. You want to yeah, keep yeah. us going? So the legislation led to the the most ambitious declassification effort in American history. More than 5 million documents in total. Over the next 25 years, the government fully released 88% of the materials related to the assassination and another 11% of partially redacted documents. As of October 2017, only 1% of the documents remained classified. Interesting. That 1% obviously is holding everything. That's the 1% that we wanted. <laughs> yeah, we didn't get it. <laughs> right, it's that, that, that last 1% was that one that we really wanted. Jerks. There have been no shocking revel- revelations in these documents. Nothing to challenge the conclusions of the Warren Commission that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. 
moreover, moreover, there have been no convincing alternative explanations of what took place in Dallas on November 22nd in 1963. At the same time, authors such as Gerald, Gerald Posner and Vincent Bugliosi effectively refuted all the major conspiracy theories. Technology also conspired against conspiracy. Digital recreations of the Zapruder film prove conclusively that all three shots fired at the Kennedy motorcade came from the sixth floor of the book depository building. There were no second shooters or magic bullets, just Oswald and a high-powered rifle. It sounds like that Gerald Posner and Vincent Bugliosi were on the take. Yeah, I mean, with all that technology, they're saying that they could conclusively prove that all those shots came from that's not true that's not true at all i mean if we go back to what uh the show that we did on dupont and what they did with the uh with with the this the stat the statistics of their product that they had the what the epa come out and fake and completely lie to the public and they did it they they told the epa what to say with right they wrote the script for the epa so if you think that these two guys that are saying oh Nothing to see here. Please disperse. There's everything to see. If you've ever seen the Zapruder film for yourself, you can clearly tell that. Say uh, it. Yeah. Well, I mean, his head goes back and to the left. Yeah. I mean, that. anybody that knows anything about the trajectory of a bullet and the energy that a bullet hits a target, it didn't come from where Oswald was at. Like Steve said, back and to the left. I've been around guns for a long time. You and I have shot a lot of deer. I've seen you shoot a deer and watch the effects of it. And it's devastating. It's when it, when a bullet strikes something, the inertia drives that object in the direction that the bullet was shot from, away from that direction. Right. So and when you're watching the Zapruder film, Kennedy's head obviously gets struck from the front. It's not from right. the back. Right. And they were retracing some of the, uh, on a documentary that I was recently watching on this topic. And basically, I mean, where Oswald was to the motorcade, it was really only 30 yards. And he was using, what, a 6.5 Creedmoor? 30 yards, I mean... First of all, if he would have shot him from that angle, it would have blew the side of his head off like it did back into the left. Right. If that was the same type of caliber that the other gunman was using. There was another gun, and there was definitely energy that propelled his head backwards. It's clear to see that. Right. Yet the declassified documents have highlighted one major flaw with the Warren Commission. It's failure to present a convincing explanation for why Lee Harvey Oswald shot JFK. Much of the final commission report represented an indictment of Oswald. It failed to ascribe a single motive, but it made a strong case that Oswald was little more than a disaffected sociopath in desperate need of attention. It spent a great deal of effort showing how the events of his childhood growing up without a father, making few friends, and dealing with an overbearing mother, molded him into an angry, embittered misfit. Many of the new documents and information, while fragmentary and often contradictory, present a different portrait of an Oswald who was driven as much by ideology as he was by personal demons. 
None of the information reveals a conspiracy or proves the involvement of any outside group, but it does reinforce a possible political motive to the assassination, highlighting that Oswald was driven by a desire to prove his, his fidelity to the Cuban Revolution. He wanted to gain Castro, Castro's respect and possibly travel to Cuba as a conquering hero. In Oswald's fantasy world, he probably assumed that he would be welcomed in Cuba as the man who killed the American devil, not appreciating that neither Castro nor the Soviets would wish to incur the wrath of the United States by harboring JFK's assassin. That's a, that's an interesting take on it because I mean, if he's trying to get uh, in into the cube into Cuba, what is he going to say? I, I put in you know my application a lot of times. Um, did you see under um, extracurricular activities? I put assassinated <laughs> JFK. Does that get me in? That that should get me in, right? Top of the list, buddy. Could you? Could you tell Castro that that's what I did for him so that I could get in here? Yeah, that, I mean, that, that's crazy. But I mean, even before he was shot by Jack Ruby, Oswald was saying in front of television cameras, I didn't do it. Uh, this was a setup. That's crazy. So, I mean, he, he really came I mean, and, well, that's why they sent Jack Ruby, I assume, to shoot him. I would think so. I mean, there's a lot of parallels that you can make to other people who have been in conspiracies and were the active shooter, and then for some reason they get killed. Yeah. It happens. Vegas. Yeah, exactly. Why did the Warren Commission fail to highlight Oswald's political motives? Cold War fears like likely chilled the commission's desire to place too much emphasis on Oswald's pro-Castro activities. Exposing his motives could have outraged the public and forced President Johnson to take military action against Cuba. At the same time, however, the commission also lacked the proper context for evaluating Oswald's motives because it was denied relative intelligence information. These recently declassified documents reveal that American intelligence agencies had kept close tabs on Oswald in the months before the JFK shooting. The CIA took pictures of Oswald outside the Soviet embassy and even recorded his phone calls, but none of this evidence was turned over to the commission, and all of it was later destroyed. All the evidence was later destroyed. What's that remind you of? <laughs> oh, my God. NASA? Man. With the, the moon, moon landing. landing. We accidentally recorded over the most important event in possible human history that for thousands of years people have been staring at the moon. We get there. We taped over it. Well, how could that happen? Well, it was, it was a very common thing to do at the time. Yeah. So was faking it. <laughs> the commission, for example, never saw a memo prepared by J. Edgar Hoover that reported that Oswald had threatened to kill JFK during his trip to Mexico City just three weeks before the assassination. Hmm. The final commission report states, without any supporting evidence, that Oswald became disillusioned with Castro in Cuba after he was denied a visa to enter the country in late September. There's a tantalizing evidence that just the opposite is true. As, Hoover mem as Hoover's memo suggests, it is more likely that Oswald killed Kennedy in order to convince Cuban authorities to accept his petition for visa. I'll tell you one thing. Regardless of whether he had these ties with the Cuban authorities or whatever, 
during this time frame, the United States wanted Cuba. <laughs> they oh, for sure. Blaming Cuba for everything. Operation Northwoods. I mean, and, and this scenario is just like, why did you just go blow it up if that's what you wanted to do so badly? Take you, it for, yeah, take it as a U.S. property. Yeah. Do it, you know, learn something from when we, you know, first came to this country. When, when Can we share these lands? Sure. Accept our gift of these blankets full of <laughs> smallpox. <laughs> you know, jeez. So many historians hope that the highly publicized release of the remaining documents would help resolve these lingering questions. Unfortunately, President Trump had promised full transparency, but at the last minute gave in to pressure from the CIA and decided to keep some materials classified. The, do, the new documents include some tantalizing details about previously well-known assassination plots against Fidel Castro, but they fail to address the central question about Oswald's intent or shed light on the CIA's actions in Mexico City. You know, Trump might have got hit with the infamous, we could tell you, and then, we then we're going to kill you. you. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably, I'm good. It's likely we will never know with any certainty why Oswald pulled that trigger that fateful day in November of 1963, but the government has a responsibility to declassify all the documents so the American people can decide for itself. Well, not only will we never know the certainty of why Oswald pulled the trigger, we'll never know if Oswald pulled the trigger. So that was uh, information from Steve Gillen. He's a professor of history at the United States University of Oklahoma. Wow, 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 wow. So, again, on November 22nd of 63, Kennedy and his wife Jackie drove through Dallas, Texas in an open top car before he was shot and killed. The murder of the popular Democratic leader permanently transformed American politics thrusting the nation toward a long overdue and still unfinished reckoning with our democracy's, democracy's painful history of violence and racism. The official count states that former U.S. Marine Lee Harvey Oswald shot and killed Kennedy from the nearby Texas School Book Depository building. But ever since the murder, conspiracy theorists ranging from the mad to the plausible have circulated thanks in no small part to the subsequent murder of Oswald himself in the immediate aftermath of the crime. Now, in 1964, the Warren Commission concluded Kennedy was killed by a long assassin, a lone assassin, I'm sorry, a long, he was Gumby, a lone assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald, while three other investigations in 1968, 1975, and 1978 through 79 confirmed the commission's conclusion that JFK had been killed by two shots from behind. However, the 78-79 House Select Committee on Assassinations decided there was high probability that a second gunman fired at Kennedy and that he was probably assassinated as a conspiracy. This finding was itself rejected five years ago by a team of historians and retired Secret Service officers who used the latest digital technology to analyze all available film of the shooting and offered a categorical confirmation that Oswald acted alone. But the competing conclusions of the FBI investigation and government commissions have encouraged many to reject the official version. Well, sure. I mean, you can hire whoever you want to get whatever conclusion you want, like the Catholic Church did when they investigated the pyramids. And they were just like, don't let that out. That'll stop the uh, money rolling in. 
It, it floors me that they've they had three separate investigations, 68, 75. Then the one in 78 or 79 says, well, yeah, it probably was assassination as a conspiracy. That's from the American House Select Committee. So that's the own government three different times investigated it, and the third time came up with, that probably was. Yeah, and they just keep throwing that around, and as we know, we're never going to get the media reporting on that. I mean, we're getting this stuff from declassified files and things of that nature, but did people know at that time? I mean, was it brought? I mean, we don't know if it was on if the media reported that. Well, you know, even our own government saying, you "Should probably look into it." Looks shady, you know. Now, here's some theories. This one being called the magic bullet. Oswald fired just three bullets in Dallas, but he killed JFK and badly wounded Governor John Connolly, who was sitting in front of the president. The Warren Commission, the investigation into JFK's killing set up in 1963, came up with the single bullet theory to explain how Oswald did so much damage with just three rounds. It poses that both men were hit by a single bullet, which entered JFK's upper back, exited his throat, and then struck Connolly, breaking a rib and shattering his wrist, and then finally coming to rest in his thigh. Says the Mary Farrell Foundation. Skeptics say the trajectory was fanciful and renamed renamed it the magic bullet theory. It's just one reason why conspiracy theorists think more than one shooter was involved. Now, the grassy knoll. The most, <clears throat> most JFK conspiracy theorists pivot around the idea that Oswald wasn't acting alone. When the president was hit by the bullet that killed him, the motorcade was passing a grassy knoll on the north side of Elm Street. Newspaper photographs record that shortly after the shooting, police arrested three homeless men found in a railroad car behind the knoll. Because the men were clean-shaven and well-dressed, there was speculation that they were CIA assassins rather than hobos. Now, Rafael Cruz. During his presidential campaign, Donald Trump insinuated that Senator Ted Cruz's father was connected to the assassination. His comments were based on the photo published by the National Enquirer, which the tabloid claims shows Rafael Cruz distributing leaflets with Oswald just months before he murdered the president. Trump seized on the story to attack his then-rival, saying, I mean, what was he doing? What was he doing with Oswald shortly before the death, before the shooting? The story and Trump's comments were quick, were quickly rubbished by Cruz and the press. Now, let's be clear. This is nuts. This is not a reasonable position. This is just kooky, Cruz told USA Today. I guess I should go ahead and admit, yes, my dad killed JFK. He is secretly Elvis, and Jimmy Hoffa is buried in our backyard. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, they try and make it sound like... Uh, <clears throat> That it, or try and discredit it by saying that it was published by the National Enquirer, which is the which is the tabloid. But let's not forget the National Enquirer is the one that broke the story on O.J. Simpson. Ah, they're the first ones that break the story. So yeah, I mean, you know, you might have a, some people might have a tinfoil hat on, but sometimes they might be right too. I mean, I'd like to know if that picture was ever analyzed to see if it was an actual picture. You'd need an independent study done because you can't even trust the people that are doing the studies anymore. Right. And if it was, then I would say, Ted Cruz, could you just explain what your dad was doing with uh, Oswald? Yeah. How did he know him? Because that's not what... He didn't really say any of that. He's just kind of like 
muddled the whole thing by calling it kooky and oh well okay we did it well and if Os- if oswald was a paid assassin rather than a, a disaffected loner who was writing his paychecks the list of candidates is long but some names are put forward more than most they are the cia the idea that the assassination was a cia plot <clears throat> sounds bizarre but theorists suggest that President's alleged comment that he wanted to splinter the CIA into thousands of pieces and scatter into the wo- into the winds made him an agency target. Other agencies suggest that one of the hobos was E. Howard Hunt, a former CIA operative who was involved in the ill-fated Bay of Pigs operation to oust Cuban leader Fidel Castro. For JFK expert Dave Perry, this is the most interesting theory. The problem is, of all of them, this is one I can't debunk. Perry points out that former head of CIA Alan Dulles was a member of the Warren Commission, the special Johnson-appointed panel in charge of the official investigation of the assassination. The commission determined that Oswald acted alone. The Mafia. Now, why would the Mafia want JFK dead? Because his brother Robert was turning up the heat on organized crime, Robert was the U.S. Attorney General at the time, and his anti-mafia crusade had led to a sharp increase in the number of prosecutions of senior mafia figures. Could have been the KGB. The Soviets had palpable, powerful motive to kill JFK, to gain revenge for the humiliation of the USSR in the 1962 Cuban Missile Crisis, says Scientia Press. Oswald was a communist and spent time in the USSR. His Russian odyssey afforded the KGB many opportunities to interact with him. Lyndon B. Johnson. In 2003, a Gallup poll revealed that 20% of Americans believe Johnson had something to do with JFK's death. Theories include the vice president's desire to become president, his need to cover up scandals, and his involvement with the FBI, says the Environmental Graffiti website. This is based primarily on statements made by Madeleine Brown, who alleged to have had an affair with Johnson, but who Perry describes as, quote-unquote, a crackpot. Brown long claimed she attended a party the night before the assassination with ex-Vice President Richard Nixon and FBI Director J. Edgar Hoover, in which LBJ whispered into her ear, After tomorrow, those those Kennedys will never embarrass me again. That's no threat. That's a promise. Not only does Perry say this, LBJ could not have been at that party, he also suggests a possible source for the origin or the rumors he was behind the attack. A lot of Texans didn't like Johnson. They thought he was a crook. So as a result, they started creating this fiction after the assassination where he wanted Kennedy out so he could be president, Perry said. I don't know. This Perry, might he might be on the take, too. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Steve, with the little green men. So another theory suggests JFK was killed for showing too much interest in alien activity. There are two crucial pieces of evidence backing this up. The first is a letter written by JFK to the CIA in which he demands to see secret UFO files. The second is a note from the senior CIA official that says, we cannot allow the president to see this classified material. And that's crazy. Yep, just being denied access. Deep state. So the Illuminati. 
The secretive power brokers who control the world are obvious candidates for a JFK conspiracy theory. The president fell foul of the Illuminati. It has begun suggested because he wanted to end the Vietnam War, a conflict that was paying the shadowy bankers handsome dividends. The Illuminati were also angered by JFK's attempts to rein in the power of the U.S. Federal Reserve, triggering a deadly backlash. That would do it. The military-industrial complex. The theory that the so-called military-industrial complex a phrase coined by President Dwight D. Eisenhower to describe the informal alliance between the nation's military and its arms industry was behind the assassination. It's gained some traction over time. Conspiracy theorists point to Kennedy's intention to pull U.S. troops from Vietnam, a decision later reserved, reversed under President Johnson as the motive the army and those looking to profit from the war had to get rid of them. This one, I, I never liked this one. Jackie Kennedy. Well, th what I think is interesting about this one is, um, in the in, in in the beginning of our show, we were talking about how that how that everyone was saying, "What was everybody in on it?" But Jackie Kennedy. And then here here you go, here Jackie Kennedy. One of the more far fetched theories alleges that JFK's wife killed him herself. Could the president's wife have been a secret assassin? Some theorists claim that Jackie Kennedy hid a pistol in a nearby flower pot after the assassination. But as the Daily Mirror notes, many of those who make the claim seem to overlook the fact that she was being watched in an open limousine by thousands of onlookers. That would have had she would have had to have been <clears throat> the greatest assassin of all time, especially to be able to pull off a headshot while she was sitting to his to his left. Right, it would have had to be some sleight of hand for that one. Now this next one's pretty interesting. And I saw I saw this this comes up in that uh, in that Stone film JFK. Oh well, if you just look up the, uh, the you know the, the Zapruder film, the Zapruder film, and and look at the uh, the clips there, you'll see the man with the black umbrella. Some witnesses point to a mysterious man holding an umbrella as JFK's motorcade drove by. The day of the assassination was bright and clear. No one in the crowd is wearing a raincoat or carrying an umbrella except one man. And that man is standing right where the shots were fired. Investigator Josiah Thompson says, The only person under any umbrella in all of Dallas is standing right where the shots come into the limousine. Can anyone come up with a non-sinister explanation for this? When challenged to explain himself, the man carrying the umbrella, Louis Stephen Witt, testified before the House Select Committee on Assassinations that the um umbrella was a protest against the appeasement policies of JFK's father. The umbrella was a reference to the trademark accessory of Neville Chamberlain, nicknamed the Umbrella Man, who prior to the Second World War had advocated making concessions to the Nazis to try to avoid conflict. And many people believed Witt's explanation. I think that that was probably a backstory given to him. My theory is that the man with the black umbrella was, if the umbrella's up, shoot. It was the go or no go. Right. Yeah. Unbelievable. The, the driver. Go ahead. Proponents of this theory suggest Secret Service agent William Greer, the driver of JFK's limousine, pulled the trigger. 
But others, including JFK Lancer, say what initially looks like a handgun when seen at speed is simply the reflection of the sun on the hair of Greer's colleague, Roy Kellerman. Now this one, what do you think? Uh, the driver, I don't think it was the driver. No, but that's this, a stretch. This next one you and I had talked about. We did. Uh, re- like over and over again. This one's right. friendly fire. Not all skeptics rely on an elaborate conspiracy to explain the killing. A simpler alternative suggests that one of JFK's own bodyguards fired the fatal shot by accident. As Oswald fired on the president, the theory goes, Secret Service agent George Hickey cocked his automatic rifle to return fire. When the car was stopped suddenly, he discharged his weapon by mistake. It's not a sexy theory. It's not rife with intrigue. A journalist, uh, a proponent of the theory, told NBC News, but for that reason, in their mind, it's extremely compelling because it's the only theory that is tightly to the available evidence. Hickey sued for libel in 1995, years later, but a judge ruled that the statute of limitations had passed and dismissed the case. What's interesting about this story, too, is I was watching a documentary on it, and they had this theory of the Secret Service agent. But the one thing that just struck and seemed to ring true was one of the uh, bullet fragments that was taken from JFK's head was that of a two two three, which would be your, your normal-issued M16 that they were carrying versus Oswald was using uh, a military-issued 6.5 Creedmoor. Where'd the 223 come from? Where'd the 223 fragments come from? 223 is a very, very small round compared to uh, 6.5. Right, and and could you imagine, you know, figuring out that you actually accidentally discharged your weapon? Yeah, I mean, I would think that within the Secret Service that, the you know, weapons are accounted for, ammunition's accounted for, but who knows? I would think that under investigation, that guy would fess up to it. I would think. I mean, it, I mean, it, it would have been manslaughter of the president, but, I mean, who knows? Now, what have the declassified documents revealed? In April 2018, the National Archive released previously withheld documents in accordance with the JFK Assassination Records Collection Act of 1992, although most of the documents, 88%, have been accessible by the public since the late 1990s. Many have been intrigued as to what details the remainder might entail. The papers marked for the president's eyes only revealed how Oswald planned to escape, confirming rumors that he visited the Cuban and former Soviet Union embassies in Mexico City in September of that year. Hmm. That was good. That was Gerald Posner. That was that was fantastic information. Yeah. Intelligence chiefs believe that this was to arrange for visas so that he could travel to the USR, USSR via Havana. But theorists looking for CIA plots are likely to be disappointed as many of the intelligence briefs remain partially blacked out. Sky News points out, one historian who has been researching the trove of declassified documents hopes to put some of the wild theories about JFK's assassination to rest. I've gone through each of the conspiracies one by one, trying to line them up, and just could never make them jump. Timothy Naftali told The Guardian, I believe it was Lee Harvey Oswald who killed Kennedy. 
Now, the Cambridge connection, one of the most bizarre revelations to come out of the latest declassified file release was reports that a British local newspaper, the Cambridge News, received an anonymous call about some big news in the U.S. shortly before JFK was assassinated. Now, according to a declassified CIA memo, the call was made to a senior reporter at the newspaper at 1805 on November 22, 1963, 25 minutes before the first shot was fired. Reported by MI5 and passed on and passed on to the CIA. The memo read, the caller said only that the Cambridge News reporter should call the American Embassy in London for some big news and then hung up. The Cambridge reporter had never received a call of this kind before, and the MI5 state that he is known to them as a sound and loyal person with no security record. In a video posted on the newspaper website shortly after the memo was made public, the paper's current chief reporter, Chris Elliott, said no one has ever been able to establish whether that call was actually made, but the fact that it might have been made came to light in 1980s after a document was discovered allegedly from the CIA reporting the incident. Now, the Zaputer film, if there's any one piece of evidence that has served to both dampen and fuel the Kennedy <coughs> conspiracy theory more than any other, it's the 26-second Zaputer film recorded with an 8mm camera by Dallas dressmaker and amateur filmmaker Abraham Zaputer. It documents the shooting of the president from beginning to end, just 486 frames. It has been described as one of the most important 26 seconds of film ever recorded and has become one of the great cultural icons of our time, says The Guardian, loved by Andy Warhol and conspiracy theories alike. But while the film, which is actually in two parts, is instantly recognizable, its history is also subject of intense controversy. Shown to the FBI and Secret Service shortly after the, the assassination, Zaputer was left with the original copy, which he entrusted to Life magazine out of respect for the Kennedy family. Although the magazine published split-second stills from the film, in a special issue a week after the shooting, the full film was kept under wraps from the public for the next 12 years till a bootleg copy was aired by TV host Geraldo Rivera in 1975. Keeping it from the public fueled conspiracy theories that the government had something to hide, says CBS News. Yet despite being one of the most analyzed, watched, and talked about films of all time, Zaputer, who died in 1970, never profited from it himself. But finally, in 1999, the government agreed to pay the Zaputer family $16 million to preserve the film in the National Archives. Wow. Now, I, mean, I mean, that makes sense, though. The, the family that created that film should have gotten paid off of that. $16 million in the film National Archives, but doesn't, doesn't uh, somebody else own it now? Well, I mean, they donated it. The, the family got the money for it. Life magazine. <laughs> well, they entrusted it. Oh, gotcha. That was only a week after it happened, and they didn't print everything. They just printed still frames from it, not all 486 frames of it. But, I mean, that has been analyzed frame by frame because it was shot on an 8mm, which is actual film. Right. So you can go through each one of the frames. It's not like there's digital checking or they're missing any scenes from oh i remember that's how we used to have to watch all of our home movies when i was a kid what well, no sound mean, that that film and i've seen it you'll be able to identify that film in a second absolutely that is the quintessential 
film of the JFK shooting. And it's something that we've all seen a million times. You, you can probably think of Jackie Onassis Kennedy's dress the, that she wore that day. You can think of the whole thing set up. You can think of the, the actual like film. It's only 26 seconds. You can think of the ending of it. It's, it's brutal to watch, really. It is. Now, here's an even more brutal theory. Could JFK have survived? Now, for all the competing theories, there is a remarkable acceptance of one point. President Kennedy did die on November 22, 1963. Not even the crankiest crank argues that JFK is hiding out in Boca Pad with Jimmy Hoffa and D.B. Cooper. But on this point, too, there is room for disagreement on the details. Some believe that the president was still alive when he arrived at the Parkland Hospital. Others that he was dead before the final shot had been fired. Establishing the precise moment of his death is difficult, not only because of the chaos and the aftermath of the shooting, but also because there is no clear cut definition of life and death in the case such as JFK. The time of death was fixed, 1 p.m. as an approximation, the Warren Commission stated, since it was impossible to determine the precise moment when life left the president. The report suggests that JFK could have survived the neck wound caused by the first shot, but not the brain damage that resulted from the second. From a medical viewpoint, President Kennedy was alive when he arrived at Parkland Hospital, it said. The doctors observed that he had a heartbeat and was making some respiratory efforts, but his condition was hopeless, and the extraordinary efforts of the doctors to save him could not help but to have been unveiling. But the discovery of President Kennedy's film logbook has lent credence to the idea that JFK may have survived. Handed over to Gizmodo's Matt Novick and painstakingly produced by White House projectionist Paul Fisher, the logbook details every single film shown in the White House as well as the names and details of those who attended according to the logbook. A film was screened at the White House on November 29, 1963 for 20 people, says Novak. Fisher wrote it down as Little John Birthday Party, presumably referring to John F. Kennedy Jr., born on November 25, 1960. But incredibly, both President Kennedy and First Lady are listed as being in attendance at the screening, which took place a week after the president's death. We might be able to chalk it up as Fisher being exhausted and confused, or maybe it was written in advance, says Novak. But the meticulous nature of the Fisher's record-keeping seems to suggest that would be unlikely. Did JFK somehow survive and live out his life under an assumed name in Cuba? That seems unlikely given the autopsy photos, but it probably wouldn't be the weirdest theory out there. It, it is pretty weird. That is. Um, let's, let, let's talk a little bit about Lee Harvey Oswald, Steve. So less than an hour after Kennedy was assassinated, a police officer named J.D. Tippett stopped Oswald, who shot him point blank. Oswald, who was 24 years old at the time, and was a former Marine who had defected to the Soviet Union and then returned to the U.S. with a Russian wife the previous year, was later apprehended at a nearby cinema. Two days later, when he was being transported from police headquarters to a more secure county jail, Oswald himself was shot. Jack Ruby, a nightclub owner, emerged from a crowd of police and reporters who had gathered to see Oswald taken away. He fired a pistol into Oswald's stomach. 
Oswald was taken to Parkland Hospital and jo- and he died just 10 feet away from the room where Kennedy had died two days before. Now, some believe that Oswald was killed in order to stop him from revealing a larger conspiracy theory. Ruby claimed that he was so outraged by the president's death that he had suffered psychomotor epilepsy and shot Oswald unconsciously. However, he was found guilty of the murder with malice. Although he was initially sentenced to die, a court of appeal later ordered a retrial. But he died of lung cancer in 1967 before it could be held. Of course. Of course. And Jack Ruby, he was on the take. He had to have been. Yeah. I mean, he gave a lot of reasons for just trying to say that he was mad that he shot the president. That's how you sew up a, a loose end. I've been mad about a lot of things. I mean, now the CIA received JFK assassination warning in 1962. Now, claims of the Soviet plot to assassinate JFK as early as 62, which the CIA ultimately dismissed, were included in a 1963 memo to a top U.S. investigation official. The dump of declassified JFK assassination file reveals the memo to James Lee Rankin, then general counsel for the Warren Commission, details a tip that the CIA had received in the immediate aftermath of the killing from an individual who described himself as a Polish chauffeur for the Soviet embassy in Canberra, Austria. The memo says that the individual touched on the possibility that the Soviet government had financed the assassination of President Kennedy. Crucially, the, me- the memo also notes the receipt of a similar anonymous telephone call on October 15, 1962, more than a year before the assassination, by a man to be believed the same person. Now, the government released another JFK trove. Richard Helms, then the CIA deputy director, for plans and the author of the memo wrote it appears that the caller who professes to be the polish chauffeur of the soviet embassy car in canberra australia first phoned in over a year ago on october 15th 62 repeat 62 at that time he told a story about five soviet submarines carrying four to five hundred soviet soldiers on their way to cuba one purpose of the troop movement he said was to support the governor of mississippi He added that there was a plot to pay $100,000 to kill President Kennedy. Behind the plot, he said, were the Iron Curtain countries and the communist men in England, Hong Kong, and probably other countries. Helms continued linking the 1960 call to the call received a year later. On November 23, 1963, repeat, 63, the day after the assassination of President Kennedy, and over a year after the first telephone call, a man believed to be the same person phoned the embassy again and spoke to the assistant naval attache. The caller referred to his call a year back and stated that he had said that the USR had put up $100,000 for the assassination of JFK. As with many of the threads chased down by law enforcement and intelligence services in the wake of Kennedy's assassination, the CIA says it dis- it dismissed the claim, of course. Helms wrote that the CIA determined the call, quote-unquote, was a crank. After being unable to identify any Polish employee of the Soviet embassy, the automobile described by the caller as the one he drove or the license plate number given by him. But that's like saying, too, we tried to look up to see if the guy worked at Area 51 and we couldn't find any information on him. I mean, they're going to protect the identity. Yep. 
But Helms also noted that the caller had told them that the, at the Soviet embassy, they often change plates, have 50 sets in reserve, and can change them in five seconds. In closing, Helms wrote that this conclusion, that the call was a crank, cannot be confirmed, and noted that authorities in Australia, the location of the Soviet embassy where the caller professed to work, had continued to investigate the claims. The government made thousands of files related to the JFK assassination public. The latest installment in the collection delayed released. Many of the documents in the release show the intelligence community grappling with and griping about investigations that further underscore covert activities in the Cold War, as well as the difficulty they face chasing down the torrent of tips the agency received after the assassination. Well, it's great to have the tips afterwards. Yeah, but these guys had the tip a year before. That's true. Kind of like 9-11. Yep. Go ahead, Steve. I'm going to let you take us into the next section here. This one's cool. It starts off slow, but I like the end of it. So on November 22nd of 63, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated during a motorcade in Dallas, Texas. The nation mourned his tragic and senseless death and witnessed the collapse of the mythical Camelot he and his young family had created. Friends and foes alike demanded answers. No, they wanted the truth to bring the individual or group responsible to justice. That has either happened or not happened, depending on who or what you believe. The Warren Commission's 888-page report identified ex-Marine and Communist sympathizer Lee Harvey Oswald as the lone gunman. Conspiracy theorists immediately mocked this report as a government plot to mask what happened. They suggested other possibilities, both plausible and insane. The list includes Jack Ruby, the shady nightclub owner who assassinated Oswald in the police custody, the FBI, CIA, Soviet Union, Cuban dictator Fidel Castro, Israel, top Republicans, Democrats, aliens, both legal and from another planet, unidentified gunmen, and even Chief Justice Earl Warren himself. Fred Litwin's intriguing book, I Was a Teenage JFK Conspiracy Freak, details his personal journey away from the grand conspiracy and into reality. His deafness in sweeping JFK conspiracy theorists aside with facts and logic is hard not to admire and appreciate. While not the first to have attempted this, Litwin's book can be deservingly called one of the most powerful on the subject in recent years. What attracted the retired marketing professional professional Northern Blues music founder and former leftist who shifted to conservatism after 9-11 and started the now-defunct blog Gay and Right and the free-thinking film society to the JFK assassination. He became entranced when Robert Grodin showed clothing manufacturer Abraham Zapruder's stunning 27-second colorized film in its entirety on Goodnight America with Geraldo Rivera on March 6th of 1975. The studio audience gasped at the fatal headshot, Litwin writes, and so did I. Like other Americans who watched that telecast, the then 18-year-old Litwin was puzzled by the fact that JFK's head moved back and to the left in an unmistakable motion. If Oswald was situated in the building behind the motorcade, how could the president's head have gone backwards after the shot was fired? It didn't make sense, and could, that could only mean that there was a second gunman, hence the conspiracy. 
This is what many people probably thought after they saw Gruden's bootleg copy of the Zapruda film. When they heard the social activist Dick Gregory alleged the motorcade route had been changed and then asked who had the power to ensure that it went right by where Lee Harvey Oswald happened to work. It would have heightened their suspicions. And when writer-historian Ralph Shoneman made claims about Oswald, both FBI and CIA agent, according to Secret Service document 767, and Ruby told his psychiatrist he was part of a plot to kill Kennedy, and his death from lung cancer in 1967 was suspicious. They probably lost their collective minds. That's cool. Those are some some new things there. Yeah. <clears throat> but I would <clears throat> I would have to say that the biggest conspiracy may turn out to be the belief that there was a conspiracy to assassinate JFK in the first place. <clears throat> Pardon me. Litwin's aha moment occurred when he began to look into the autopsy, x-rays and photographs. These were in the possession of the Kennedy family. But urologist John Latimer and forensic pathologist Sarah Wecht had separately examined them in 1972. Latimer was firmly in the lone gunman camp. <clears throat> Pardon me. <clears throat> and his illustrated articles on the medical evidence of, were superb. His experiments of the monocular Carcano bullet going through a simulated neck found that the bullet started to tumble after exiting. Weck admittedly believed the headshot was not fired from the front. In contrast to the Warren report, he felt the second movement of JFK's head after being shot was probably caused by the neuromuscular spasm causing involuntary muscle movement. <laughs> not the 6.5 Creedmoor traveling at 3,000 feet a second and hitting your head with so much energy, it looks like a pumpkin exploding. Yeah, that's the that's the lamest. Uh, the neuromuscular spasm is not what pushed his head back. I, I would accept it. I don't know better than that. <laughs> yeah. Now, Rivera's three experts weren't so trustworthy. Grodin's written about JFK's assassination theory for years and claimed that some of the JFK autopsy photographs have been doctored. Gregory was a left-wing, quote-unquote, loon, gave lectures at the university campus, which, quote-unquote, were just plain kooky, became <clears throat> a 9-11 truther, and never met JFK or Martin Luther King. Conspiracy theory he didn't like. Now, Shoneman was a Trotskyist. a Trotskyist who claimed Oswald had links to military intelligence and the CIA with no evidence to back it up, supported left-wing radicals like Che Guevara, and developed an anti-Israel animus. I was a teenage JFK conspiracy freak. <clears throat> lifts the deep dark veil on other bizarre stories characters and revelations about this presidential assassination for instance litwin thoroughly dismantles oliver stone's movie jfk in one of the book's strongest chapters he blasts away at the leftist film director for creating an academy award-winning picture that touts an evil homosexual conspiracy more to the point, he believes Stone made a movie that profiled Jim Garrison, the real-life prosecutor who wrongfully charged a gay man of conspiring with other homosexuals to kill Kennedy. <clears throat> Indeed, the storyline makes Garrison, the hero, and innocent gay victim, Clay Shaw, the evil civilian. But there's another underlying theme to Stone's film. JFK had to be assassinated before he started his plan of pulling troops out of Vietnam and ending the Cold War. 
Littman <coughs> correctly recognizes this suggestion, at, suggestion as a left-wing myth. JFK was a cold warrior through and through. Indeed, the then-president's planned speech in Austin, Texas, was going to be favorably discuss his increase in military spending. So where did Stone get this information from? His technical advisor for JFK was Colonel L. Fletcher Prouty, who worked in the Pentagon's Office of Special Operations until retirement in December of 63. Prouty had a history <clears throat> of crackpot relationships from Lyndon LaRouche organization to Willis Cardo's far-right Liberty Lobby and Institute for Historical Review. And guess who introduced Prouty's work to Oliver Stone, Litwin asked. None other than Jim Garrison, who is skewered by the author in a separate chapter. Another JFK assassination story was <clears throat> has a Canadian twist. Brian McKenna, an award-winning producer for the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation program, The Fifth Estate, was produced six documentaries about the JFK assassination. While millions of viewers have watched his projects, it's hard to imagine even a handful know exactly what his interests are in this particular subject. <clears throat> Now, a CBC associate told Litwin that McKenna was, quote-unquote, obsessed with the JFK assassination because they were both Irish Catholic. While this is certainly plausible, the producer's 2010 speech to JFK Lancer, a Texas-based organization, predicted on the fervent belief that the U.S. government has conspired for over half a century to hide the truth from the world regarding the JFK assassination, <clears throat> revealed something quite different. In accepting the group's pioneer award, McKenna suggested the assassination was a sophisticated coup plotted by the U.S. military and the CIA with support from Hoover, FBI, and Kennedy's bodyguards, the Secret Service. Moreover, he felt the mafia and billionaire H.L. Hunt were co-conspirators, and Vice President Lyndon Baines Johnson supported the coup, which made him president. <clears throat> Unsurprisingly, McKenna has enlisted Prouty's help on two occasions. He's featured author David Lifton, a JFK conspiracy theorist in four documentaries, and <coughs> called his work riveting. One documentary, Dallas and After, contained various mistakes about basic facts and incorrectly claimed Oswald a sharpshooter in the Marines. He was a poor marksman, an advisor on the documentary Peter Dale Scott has parade out and prayed out an endless array of corrupt people with ominous connections and little in the way of proof. <clears throat> now, Litwin has performed an important service in exposing the dark underbelly of JFK's conspiracy theories and the tangled web in which its proponents have weaved for decades. Readers must decide what is in fact fiction or fact about this assassination and whether to finally come to terms with the long-standing theory that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. I am not on that side. No, I don't think that Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone. And this is just, I mean, this is the topic that, my gosh, they've been able to keep under wraps for so long. And like we were saying, they probably won't release it, or at least that's a theory that they won't release it until anybody that really doesn't care isn't alive anymore. I think it's fantastic that all these years later, it's 56, this is the anniversary, 56th anniversary of it coming up, and it's still... It's still intriguing. It's still interesting to me. It's still interesting to you. It's, it is. It's still interesting to so many people out there because it, it wasn't something that was happening a lot then. I mean, in 56 years, there's been 
so many stories that have been revealed about the government and there's been so much covered up but it wasn't happening as much back then so this this time this jfk you're seeing these facts you're seeing the evidence you're seeing the sapruta film and you're thinking this it had to be a cover-up i mean it's probably right up there with uh <clears throat> area 51 and the in, in the crash in roswell yeah i mean they're just two kept secrets that <clears throat> you know that People are going to take to their grave or else they're going to be put in their grave for saying anything. And, you know, I think that most people that were probably involved probably aren't alive anymore. If they are, they're extremely old. And, you know, hopefully, is all I can say is one day we find out the truth. Who was the second gunman on the grassy knoll? How many shooters were there? Who, what was the guy in the black umbrella? Who knows? But you know what? We make. I'm sure we're going to cover a lot more of this when we uh, we shoot our after show for uh, JFK, which um, it right. won't be. It, it, it'll be it'll be the next show that we probably put out. Um, if you're unfamiliar with our YouTube show, uh, we have uh, three episodes out. Uh, the most recent one being Parallel Universes, which we went way back three years ago to uh, one of our first podcasts, but one that's definitely in our top five that we liked. Um, <clears throat> Please go out and subscribe and uh, set your notifications to, to find out when uh, a new episode of the After Show comes out. There's a lot of YouTube pages out there that are involved within our genre that really, for the lack of a better term, push a lot of nonsense. They really don't do a whole lot of research. Versus Subtle Beast, we, we take pride in our research. We really delve in. We do the research. We'll present both sides so that so that our listener can be can, can be the judge and uh, figure out for themselves what they want to decide. I mean, we have our beliefs, but all of our listeners don't need to have Subtle Beast necessarily belief. But you know what? That's the type of shows that we're putting out. That's the type of show that our YouTube page is going to be. So wh- help us make our YouTube page, which is giving – what we believe to be the most credible information on these topics, delivering both sides and, and and really delivering the information. Let's help our YouTube page explode and help it to be maybe number one in our genre on YouTube. And thank you. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to all of the audience. Thanks for continuing to support Fultz and I. We, we have a blast on the show and you guys have shown us a lot of love lately. So we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. We certainly do. And uh, until next time, I'm Foltz. And I'm Steve. And we'll see you next time. Take care of one another. Bye-bye.